0: Well, we have the kids in here with us this week, and we're always glad to to have them here with us. Uh, we are going to uh, do something just a little bit different here when we're introducing the, the thing, because we're actually taking the, the parable, this one parable, and we're dividing it over three weeks. So we covered part of it last week, covered part of it this week, and then we had the next part uh, uh, next week, so it'll be covered over over three different spots here, but just to keep us in the in a place where we remember all these things, we're going to have a little scripture reading, and uh, my granddaughter is going to come up and read for us, and just remind us of the parable, so that we have the, the parable on hand, so Lissy, come on up, oh, we need a microphone for her, I got one up here.
1: Matthew chapter 13 verses 1 through 9 um, in the New Living Translation is um, later that the same day Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him. So he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen. A farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rocks. The seeds sprouting, sp- sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun and since they didn't have deep roots they died other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30 60 and even 100 times as much as had been planted anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand
0: Thank you. Now, last week, in our first week as we looked at this, we were looking at the aspect of understanding. That there are four different soil types, and this is actually a parable of the four soils, not so much the parable of the sower. But as we spent a lot of time in understanding, and instead of trying to catch the kids up on all the things we covered on that, I had this video that I saw sometime last year. And I've been thinking, oh, I'm going to bring this into church sometime and uh, and use this. But um, I hadn't done it as of yet. And then as I was putting some of these things together, I thought, oh, this might be a good spot for it. So I had saved the video couldn't find it. So I actually had to go up on YouTube and just do a search for it and it came up real easy. So this is about a four-minute video. And it is in a different language than the one we speak. I don't know which language it's in. And it's okay because you don't really need to understand a single word that is spoken to get the message That is done here. So I'm going to ask that we start our our video up. And this will help catch our our kids up in all the things that we're doing as far as understanding is concerned. All right, kids, what do you think of the schoolmaster? The schoolmaster has a child who is coming in late every day for school. The schoolmaster is trying to deal with the situation. Trying to make it so that the child understands being on time for school is important, and he's not able to communicate that. And so he does the slapping of the hand with the roller, but then somehow he stumbles upon seeing what the son, the, the little boy, does, and it changes his perspective. What changed with the schoolmaster? He understood the situation that he was facing. Up until then, he didn't understand the situation. He thought he knew what was going on. This boy is oversleeping. This boy is being lazy. He's not getting to school on time. He thought he understood what was going on. But then he got a different perspective on it, and now he has a different understanding. The boy is not late. The boy is trying to take care of somebody. The the boy is putting every effort he can into helping whom he can, even though it's going to cost him when he gets to school. The thing that changed was understanding. As long as the schoolmaster did not understand the situation, there is no way anything he did could be right. Whatever he did, it would be wrong. Unless he somehow had a wild guess. Without us understanding the Word of God, when we apply it, we will more than likely get it wrong. We must understand it. The enemy knows, if I get the understanding wrong, if I do something that is not based on understanding, it will be useless, futile, and will not produce the results. We're looking at this story from the outside and we see the schoolmaster and we don't know the whole situation. But How many of you felt for the little boy? How many had any sympathy for the schoolmaster at all? None at all. Until we saw the schoolmaster change and he was willing to repent in front of a little boy. Understanding will change your perspective on the Word of God. But many Christians don't press in to get the understanding. And so they just do whatever they think they ought to do. Well, I got this scripture on it. It seems to be saying this, so I guess I'll go ahead and do it this way. And they're not getting the results that they want. They're not getting the the things that they want to see. We put it in in the uh, bulletin, in the comic. It may not jump out at you why we put that one on in there. But that little boy wants to take his tooth and put it under his friend's pillow because his tooth Tooth fairy pays better. We all want a bigger harvest. And you're going to get the right harvest when you take the word of God and you understand it and you use it. Because the harvest in the parable comes on those who understood and stayed with it until the end. Understanding is key. Jesus spent a little bit of time on that part of understanding and teaching that, and we went over that last week. But then the first soil. They didn't understand the word that they heard, so it was stolen. And that was the first soil. That is the uh, first of the unproductive soils that is there. But I hope the video... I, I saw this video sometime last year and I still can remember it. It's It just was one of those moving ones that I hope it, you keep that in mind, that you remember, I need to get the understanding of the situation before I... Step out there and do it. Because if we step into any situation without the understanding of what's going on, we will probably mess it up. Stand back, wait, get the understanding. All right, let's take a look here. We're going to be in Matthew chapter three. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter thirteen. I'm just going to read verse five because Lizzie did such a good job of reading our our whole parable for us. Verse 5 says this, some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. They immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. They fell on stony soil. This is soil that is filled with stones. It doesn't have as much soil. Now, before we looked at the stuff by the wayside. We all know what wayside soil looks like. It's pressed down. There's some rocks mixed into it. It's really hard. People walk on it. We understand why people can't grow stuff there on the wayside soil because of all these things that are, that are around, that are there. But this one is not the wayside, but it has a lot of stones in it. Maybe some of the stones you can see. Maybe some of them are just underneath. But some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched and because they had no root, They withered away. They had no root. So they withered away. Here in this one, the important part is we got to get some root. So we get something that springs up. In the wayside one, nothing really sprung up because whatever was there, if it did try and come up, it was trampled upon. The seed stayed on top of the soil. The birds came and ate it. It was stolen. It was taken away. And the enemy can steal whatever word has been sown in you If you don't understand it, because if I don't understand it, I don't apply it. If I don't apply it right and don't use it right, it's not going to be working. If it's not working right, then we're generally going to put it away. You know, you could have a a newfangled can opener. It opens cans real, real well. But if you don't know how to use it and you can't figure out how to use it, what's going to happen to that can opener? It's going to go in the drawer and you're not going to use it. They may be able to do a better job than the can opener you are currently using. But the one you are using right now works, and you can get it to work. And so these new fangled ones, you know they got those new ones out. I haven't gotten one yet, but I know they have those new ones out that cut on the side yeah. instead of cutting the way that we've done for decades, <laughs> maybe centuries, I don't know. <laughs> but they come up with these new ones that go around on the side, and not everybody enjoys that or likes that. And and so, yeah, you know, unless I can find one of those old-fashioned can openers, I'm just not going to. I'm just not going to do that. We like for the, we like the things that work. We like the things that, uh, they get this going. We had this, uh, little apparatus. I think I've told you about it before in our house. And, uh, it was an apple peeler. Old fashioned apple peeler. You probably have to go out to Pennsylvania Dutch country to find one if you wanted to buy one anymore. Because I've never seen them in stores around here, but probably if you went out there, you could find it. Because everybody, if you want to peel the apple, and I don't know why people peel the apples. I don't peel my apples. I eat my apples with the skin on. I like the skin of an apple. I know not everybody does, but I I like I like skin. If there's no skin on it, I'm probably not going to eat it. I want the skin on that apple, and then I'll go ahead and eat it. Plus, it turns brown if you don't have that skin on there. I don't don't like that brown color. But anyway, what will you do with this apple peeler? And I guess you would use it for pies. Mom probably uses it for pies. They would, you would, had three prongs that came on out and you took the apple and you stuck it on the three prongs and then it had a crank handle and it had a little blade that was made to go around the apple and there was a little spring that put the pressure on the apple so no matter what size the apple was the spring would keep that blade on there and then you could put that thing on there and spin that sucker around and man you had that apple peeled. Now they do it in a new, new way you know with the the, uh, little hand one that goes around, you can get cut on that and all sorts of stuff. I don't know why they got away with the old one. But we got enough use out of it that it actually had a prominent place in our kitchen. We had this little, uh, little stand and I know this is really old fashioned, but we were, we grew up in a house that had one of those phones that was tethered to the wall <laughs> with a really long cord so you could walk all around the house. With the, the thing, that was as close as we got to wireless. We had like a 40-foot cord that we could get all the way around the house. <laughs> that, was, that was our early days of, of wireless. But right there, by that, there was the phone and there was the shelf. And this was put right onto that shelf. It was in a very prominent spot in the kitchen. It didn't get stuffed into a drawer. It was used. If you use something, it will have a prominent position in your life. If you don't use it, it's going to be put into a cabinet, a drawer, someplace. And put away. Let's take a look at what Jesus has to say about this in verse 18. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. So we talked about that last week. But he who received the seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now Luke's gospel, chapter 8, and verse 13, adds this for us. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation, fall away. In the time of temptation, they fall away. So they're continuing, but when the temptation, when the pressure comes, when the scorching sun comes out, well, they fall away. The uh, Williams translation puts Luke 8, 13 this way. The portion of them on the rock illustrates those who accept the message. They, they heard the message, we accept it. I heard that preacher, I heard that message, I heard that person say these things, I accept that as being true. I receive that into myself. That is a true thing. They're bubbling over with joy when they first hear it. They are, oh, I am so glad to hear that this is true. I'm so glad to hear that these things are going on. But it takes no real root. They believe for a while. But in the time of testing, they fall away. 20th century New Testament changes the ending there and says they draw back. They draw back. They were right in there with it, but then they drew back. They, kind of like if you were in, in war and you were engaged in the battle and then one side retreated or drew back. They decided to withdraw from the engagement. They decided to withdraw from from what they were doing. Now, it's not immediately stolen. The first soil was immediately stolen. This stuff springs to life. So, no one's trampling it. The birds aren't coming in and stealing it. It's off the the roadside, so people are not just walking on it, so it springs to life. I put this in your outline for you. There was some understanding. How much understanding? I don't know, but there was enough understanding to keep it from being stolen by the birds. They didn't come over and they didn't get it. So there was some understanding. I understood it a little bit. I understood it a lot. Whatever it is, I had some understanding on this. There was some understanding. Second, there was some doing. They must have understood something. They went out and then they, they did something. They did something with it. They were excited about it. It says they received it with joy. So they went out and they did something with it. They went out there and they tried something of the thing. Third, there was no continuing. There was some doing, but there was no continuing. It's kind of like if you saw You know, the person on the TV, and they get on and they're all cut up and they're all looking real, real good. And they say, if you can do this routine, just 15 minutes a day, you'll look like me. (laughs) You receive that message with joy. Because you always thought it'd take two hours at the gym to get you to look like that. 15 minutes a day, with joy, you accepted that message. With joy, you were glad about this. Oh, I can understand this. 15 minutes a day, and I can look like that. Oh, boy. And so you decide, I'm going to get this thing going, and you are still excited about this. And so the next day, you start out with the routine. 15 minutes, and you put all 15 minutes in on that thing. You are excited. You even go up to the mirror. I think I i think see some changes. Right? We're excited. This is great. And then you wake up the next day and what happens the first day after your first day of exercise? Everybody knows that one, right? You are sore. You are sore. You are not as excited on the second day. I did not know this was going to hurt this much. That's where we got that quote from, that idea. I had a hard time finding a good quote for today. Settled on that one. It took me a little while to find it. Sometimes I find them in five minutes. I think I spent over an hour trying to read stuff. Oh, that's not going to help. Oh, that's no good. Who in the world puts this in there? There's a quote. But then we, uh, we settled in on that one because our, everybody loves excitement about where we can get. We don't always like the pain of getting there. And so there, there's, there's pain in getting there. Second day, oh man, this is sore. And you get out there and you are excited, but you do it for two minutes. Oh, I am just too sore. I I gotta give my body some, some break. I really worked it hard yesterday. I mean, I really was working hard. I'll give it an extra day of break and then tomorrow we'll go after it. And uh, tomorrow's not much better. And then pretty soon what happens? We stop. We do, we stop continuing. Why? Because of the persecution. My body was rebelling. The mirror wasn't changing. And 15 minutes a day didn't seem like it was going to make it anymore, and my excitement level went down. Why did my excitement level go down? A couple of reasons. One, I stopped believing that I would look like that 15 minutes a day. Or, I didn't want to put up with the pain. I didn't want to put up with the persecution. I didn't want to put up with the things that my body was telling me. I didn't want to do it. And so we quit. We drew back, and there was no continuing. The reason that there was no continuing is because there was no depth for enduring. You need to have some depth for enduring in order to make that, that go. As long as there's no persecuting, the continuing would likely go on. I got no trouble continuing as long as I don't have any problem. I mean, exercise is no big deal if it doesn't hurt. Dieting is no big deal as long as I can eat my Snicker bars and ice cream, potato chips, Right? I can diet as long as I can eat these things. I want to get the results, but I don't like the cost along the way. As uh, Luke said, they believe for a while and in a time of temptation, fall away. There's no falling away when there's no temptation. It's only when there's temptation. It's real easy to go on a diet if all you have available to you is salad. I mean, that's it. You're in some place and they lock you in and you don't get there's no access to ice cream, no access to candy bars, no access to cookies. All you have is salad. It's real easy. Because there's no temptation. You may desire it, but there's no temptation. You can't get it. Whole problem is that you can go out there, get in your car, and drive on down to the place and buy whatever it is that you want. Go over to the yum yums. Go over to the yum yums and get some donuts. Don't eat those dunkin' donut ones. Come on. Get classy. If you're gonna go for a donut, go for a good one. Somebody was telling me Dunkin' Donuts doesn't even make them there anymore. Yum yum still does. They still make them on site. If you if you want them. Uh, I, I have a donut every once in a while, but I'm not a big fan of of donuts. So I don't, uh, I don't go out. Some people, they, Krispy Kreme, who's a Krispy Kreme fan? Jesse tells the story of his wife, she's a Krispy Kreme fan. And they were driving on by, did you hear that story? They are driving on by the Krispy Kreme and she, oh, the light's on! He didn't even know what that meant. Apparently when the light's on at Krispy Kreme, they just came out of the oven. Well, there you go. So, what is a temptation? What is a temptation that comes along? Well, when you are believing for a thing, what is a temptation that you face? And this can vary. He doesn't really spell this thing out. If I am, if I heard the word about faith believing God for something, then my faith is out there to believe God for the thing that I don't see. There'd be my faith. If I, if I heard something about healing, then my faith is out there to receive healing. If I hear something about the promise of God, about growth, about uh, the support that God gives me, about the help of the Holy Spirit, I hear these things. I hear the end result. This is what the Word promises us. This is what the Word of God says. I want that end result. The children of Israel, they heard the promise of God. I am going to give you a promised land. They like this. How many of y'all know that they like that? This is good. I like what you're saying there. They didn't realize there was a wilderness between them and it. They had to get through the wilderness. They had to face trials throughout the wilderness to make it on through because we live in a sinful world. And God brought them through the the trials. Some of them didn't endure the temptation. Some of them didn't didn't make it at all. Whenever you hear the Word, the Word is going to do this for you. The Word is going to declare where you can go and the Word is going to tell you the steps to get there. The temptation is going to be to take a shortcut or just to believe for something different than the Word of God said. That's going to be the temptation. So you have to resist that. i got to know what did God say? And then what did God say I have to do to get there? As long as you know what those things are and you stay with it, you can keep going. So it's going to the temptation is going to come along to try and get you to stop believing in God's promises. He wants you to doubt the promises of God. He wants you to feel some of those pains in your body. Well, I thought you were believing God for healing. What's that pain doing? He wants me to quit on, on some of those things. If you are believing God for a job, bad economic news can come along. Cause you to waver in that particular thing. Going out there sharing Jesus with people and then people persecute you for doing it. Well, I thought God would want me to do this. I thought it would be easier. Now the Lord knows. He says it right here. Jesus says it right here. The word will bring persecution. It will. So the seed is programmed to do what it is prepared what it is prepared to do. The, the seed is programmed to do what it needs to prepare for the temptation coming. That's in the seed. The seed, when you put a seed in the ground, the seed is programmed that when you put that in the ground and it makes contact with the soil, I don't know if you all know this, but as the seed needs to know that the soil is a certain temperature. The seed won't spring in the winter. It waits for that soil to hit a certain temperature. It's waiting for the moisture to come in and then that seed comes to life because it's got one shot. It comes to life and if it doesn't work, it's going to die. It knows that. It's programmed for this. So the seed is programmed. Any seed is programmed. You can take it in the in one of those things where you have the glass on the pot and put the uh, seed right next to the glass. It's always a fun experiment to do and you can watch the seed as it sprouts. And the first thing the seed does... How many of y'all know? What is the first thing a seed does? You probably watched the videos. You've probably done the science experiments in school. What's the first thing the seed does? It sends the root down. First thing the seed does is it grows down. That's the first thing that it does. That's why grass is so difficult to, to grow because we get out and out there and, and we plant that grass seed and uh, the soil's the right temperature. and conditions are right, and we're watering it two, three times a day. You know, watering that thing, not making sure it's not drowning, but just making sure that it's getting enough water. And we go out there after five days, no no seed. Seven days, no seed. It sometimes takes 10, 14 days for some grass seeds to come up. And you got to stay in there and be patient and water that stuff the whole time. But underneath, if you could see underneath the ground, there would be roots that are going down. This is what it's there to do. Because of the stones in the soil, the seed cannot do what it is programmed to do, which is to grow down. So since it can't grow down, it grows up. Because it's all it can do. So it grows up. And that's why it says it springs up. It springs forth. It comes up, but it has no soil, no root down there. So it's all up here in the top. And as soon as the sun comes out and it hits that, it's got nothing to sustain it and it wilts away. The most important thing you need to have is roots. But the condition of the soil prevented the natural process of the seed. Now I brought some things over here for, for us. This particular jar, this is a jar that, uh, it has some dirt in it. But it also has some other things in it. Max, what else is in there? <laughs> we, we got rocks in there. We put, some, we put some large rocks in there so we could, we could see them a little bit better. So, And we put, I put soil on top of it. So there's not as much soil in here as there would be otherwise. There's rocks that are mixed in. So when the seed would come out, it would go down and hit the rocks. And so then it can't go down, so what's it going to do? It's going to go up. And you will find that the people who have no roots are generally exhibiting more excitement for what they heard. There is something more visible about what they have going on. You you wonder, wow, boy, they are really excited. Boy, that must have really gotten into them. Look how excited they are about the message. Look how excited they are about what God has promised them. But you see, there's no roots. And as soon as the persecution comes, as soon as something doesn't happen the way that they think it ought to happen, they give up. Because they have rocks in the soil. There are stones that are there. What are the stones in your life? Now, stones are harder than soil. And they don't yield any food for the seed. That plant could wrap its roots around the stone, but it can't extract nutrients from the stone the way it can the soil. The soil... Is engineered in such a way that it releases the nutrients to the plant when the roots get down into the soil, but the rocks—they're not programmed that way. They take up space, but there's no transferring of the nutrients. There's no help. They're not giving any help to the to the seed. Now I put this in your outline for you. They, the stones. Would represent how my mind liked the promise of the seed. Stop right there for just a minute. When I hear the promise of the word. My rest I give to you. Oh, I like that. Oh, I need rest. Yes, glory to God. I need rest. I need rest. My peace I give to you. Oh, yes, Father. I need peace. Give me more peace. Give me more peace. But then when it gives you the steps. Casting your care. Not hanging on to the worries. Well, oh, I try to do that, but you know it's just not working for me i'm just I'm just programmed to worry I'm just programmed to be anxious about that that's just the way that I'm programmed to go I'm not willing to take the steps, but I want the end result. I like the promise I like the promise of what God said. there's a whole lot of people they like the promise of heaven, but they don't want to live like a Christian down here. I like the promise of heaven I like that. Oh, that's good. Mansion? <laughs> yeah. Build me a mansion. Go up there into heaven. Get out of this world. This is great. I like this. All right. And then God comes and says, now now, stop doing this over here. Quit this over here. I want you to pursue this thing over here. I've called you to this. And he said, no. <laughs> no. No, I'm not giving up all that stuff. I don't want the steps to get there. I just want the promise. This is what this group is like. I just want the promise. I don't want to do all the things that are necessary to get me there. So they would represent how my mind liked the promise of the seed. But not the application or living of what the seed requires. don't, Don't give me this stuff. Application. Don't give me this stuff how I'm supposed to live out being Christian. No, I want to live any way that I want to live. And still have the promise. No, you're going to be like this soil. You got the seed. You heard the seed. You had some understanding of it. But you did not let it change your life. You didn't let it get in there and have a long-term effect. I put this in your outline for you too. People like to declare what the Word will do for them. Isn't that right? Well, bless God, I'm healed. Well, bless God, I am prosperous. God has blessed me with a new car. God has blessed me with a new job. I thank God that I have this. I mean, we just keep declaring things. We love to declare things. What I'm going to have. People like to declare what the Word will do for them, but not what the Word should accomplish in them. See, the Word, when it goes out, it's supposed to accomplish some things in you. That seed supposed to go into your soil and it's supposed to root itself down on the inside so it gets you ready for when persecution comes. In fact, it is programmed to make sure that we take care of the roots first before anybody sees any visible growth. Because we gotta get those roots are important. The seed is programmed this way. It knows we've got to make ourselves ready. The most important thing we can do is roots. But some people they just want to get out there and they I just start start declaring things. I know that if I declare it, God has to do it. See, I like the part that people can see. I like the part about the word that comes out and people can see this about me. They can see the things that I'm saying. They can see this part. That's all That's all great, but not the part that's in me. Nobody gets to see that. Why do I want to spend time building the part that's in me? I want to spend time building the part that other people can see so that people can see I am prosperous, so that people can see that I am blessed, so that people can see that I'm at peace. I don't give room for the seed, the word, to take root. I don't give room for the seed to take root. Why? Because, folks, though I have some soil, I'm not willing to get rid of the rocks. I'm not willing to get rid of the things that are also in my life that take up space, that take up attention, that take up where the roots should be. Roots, you're gonna have to just fend for yourself because I want these rocks in my life. I want these things. I'm not gonna, I'm not willing to give them up. Just give me the promise. Just give me the plant. We'll be okay. Well, let's go on here because we got one more soil to cover. That's uh, Matthew 13 and verse 7. And some fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up and choked them. Now Jesus, in teaching on this, goes over to Matthew thirteen twenty-two. Now he who receives seed among the thorns, is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. I want you to look at that verse. Look at the last two words. Becomes unfruitful. I looked at that word and it's actually used in other places and this is as well. Becomes unfruitful. Now here's my thought. When is a seed fruitful? When's a seed fruitful? What fruit does the seed have? When it first sprouts up, what What fruit does that young plant have? What fruit's there? Let's see, I would tell you this that when that seed first sprung up, it is unfruitful. That's what I would tell you. Jesus is telling you he becomes unfruitful. That means Jesus is seeing this a little bit different. He is seeing a seed that is in soil that has the opportunity to grow and will be fruitful. Because it is programmed to be that way. The word, when it is in you, is programmed that if you let it do its thing, get rooted in you, spring up into a plant, it will produce fruit. Now in the end, we're not going to get to this this uh soil today, but in the end he says that it will produce some thirty Let's see he read the whole thing for us here this morning. Thirty, sixty. 100. 30. 60. 100. Did, did he use the word, the term zero? There's no zero in there. So what's that mean? That means the seed is going to produce 30. 60. 100. 100 fold. 100. Now I love 3060 How many like 3060 I like 3060 so much, I actually took it and adopted it into, into, uh, what I do in running. Adopted it in there. I did something in, in that thirty-sixty-one hundred, 100 and I am not going to tell you a bit about it. Anyone who's interested, ask me later. But I get hit with the thirty-sixty-one hundred principle every week. Every week I'm hit with 30, 60, 100. And I have it worked in so that I am constantly reminded 30, 60, 100. Keep yourself reminded. The seed will produce. It is programmed to produce. If you hear the seed, if you understand the seed, if you allow the seed, get the rocks out of the soil, get the rocks out of your life, get those solid things out of your life that God does not want there. Get them out. Give the the soil room... To expand its roots, give it that attention, let it get rooted on the inside of you, it will come out and it will produce fruit. Some would only produce 30. How many would be happy right now in your life if the seed that is in you would produce 30 times what it, what it was? I mean, we can, we can find some satisfaction on 30 times, can't we? But that's the low end. That's the low end. The middle, that's 60. How many are even happy if we're 60? Yeah, this is alright. Now, don't just be thinking money. A lot of times people want to apply this to money. And I'm not saying you can't apply it to money. But there is so much more. Seed is not money. Remember what Jesus said seed was? The seed is? The Word. The seed is the Word. You sow the Word, you can get 30-fold return off of that. You can get 60. Or... One hundred. One hundred times. Thirty, sixty, one hundred. Whew. That's what he says. But it says he becomes unfruitful. So what that means to me is this seed, this seed in this soil, in the thorny soil, this seed is on the way to becoming fruitful. That is not the case with the first soil. That is not the case with the second soil. The first soil, it got eaten up. There's no understanding. The second soil, it couldn't produce the roots. So it can't do what it's programmed to do. But this soil, this one is different. This one is already on the path of becoming fruitful. Can you see the difference in there? It becomes unfruitful. It is on the way, it is on the path, but something happens and it causes it to become unfruitful. Mark four eighteen reads it this way. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. They heard the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and, he adds this, and the desire of, for other things enter in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So he adds the desire for other things. So it's not just the cares of this world or the deceitfulness of riches. It's also any desire for other things. Now, it doesn't mean that everything in your life has to be stripped and gone. It's just if you have things that you desire more than seeing the Word of God come to fruition in your life, you're going to give that thing the attention. So the cares of this world, Mark's gospel, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in. Enter in. They came in. They didn't have to be there, but they entered in. And it becomes unfruitful. Williams translates Mark chapter 4 this way. A different class are those people sown among thorns. A different class class. Why are they different? Because they're on the path to becoming fruitful. The other ones are not. A different class are those people sown among thorns. They are people who listen to the message, but the worries of the times, the deceiving pleasures of being rich, and evil desires for other things creep in and choke the truth out. And it yields Nothing. It was going on a path of being fruitful, but then it became nothing. I have two more soils right here. One is the good soil, and one is the thorny soil. Mia, I want you to tell me which one's which. One is the thorny soil. And one is the good soil. I need you to help me determine which one is which. You're guessing? Is it a guess? Yes. Yeah, it's a guess. Why is it just a guess? I mean, stony max people will pick it out right away. This is stony soil. Yeah, they'll pick it out right away. Why is it a guess? You want to pick? You want to try and see if you can see? Come on. Tell me which one. Because it's important that we understand. I mean, shouldn't we be able to tell if it's if it's if it's thorny? Oh, here we go. Yeah. Oh, it looks like we got a little bit of a seal on there. <laughs> where is the thorny soil? We we got to find this this out because he says now he's setting this thing apart. There's something different here from the other two soils. Did we come up with which one is our? We still didn't find them? Huh? I think they're both the same. You think they're both the same? They both look exactly the same, huh? Because thorn seeds are pretty tough to see. Some can be big, some can be really tiny. You get real tiny thorn seeds in there, you won't be able to tell. How can you tell when the thorn seed is there? When it starts to grow, when it starts to come up. That's how we know. That's how we know. If you have a garden... And you planted the good seeds in there, and then all of a sudden, some weed seed, weeds came up. What do you need to do? You gotta go after the weeds. If you don't go after the weeds, what will happen? Now, this is a little bit different depending upon the crop. If you plant corn, how much weeding do you have to do with corn? Come on, come on Farmer Les. None. None. You know why? I mean, if you plant the corn, you can let anything grow in there you want. You know why? Because the corn will out-compete it. The corn will grow taller. The corn will grow bigger. And them poor weeds don't have a shot. You don't got to do nothing. That's why we love growing corn around here. Plant the corn. Phew! Big, tall things. Nothing's getting up above those things. They will drown out. They will uh, out-compete all the other stuff. But if you plant tomatoes, if you plant peas... You plant lettuce, cucumbers, all those other awful things that you might, <laughs> might plant outside. If you want to, to get a harvest on those things, then you have to do something about the weeds that might outcompete them. We gotta make sure that we go after, go after these things. So, Reading Luke eight fourteen on this. Luke eight verse fourteen. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. He has this. They bring no fruit to maturity. So the fruit was there, but it's not useful until it comes to maturity. That's what you want. You want the, the the fruit to be mature, and so Luke brings that part of it out. All right, we're on pat. We're on the on the way of having the fruit come. The thing being fruitful, but we need that fruit to get mature. We need that fruit to 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 become. One of the comics I was thinking about for this one was a family circus one, and uh, the little boy comes in from the garden. Mommy, look! I found all these little green strawberries on your plants. what happened we didn't let the fruit come to maturity we got to let the fruit come to the place of maturity we got to let it grow to to that spot because those little tiny green strawberries nobody's gonna want to eat those we want them to get big and red and then people will eat them some people like to dip their strawberries in chocolate who likes chocolate covered strawberries not me I will eat the chocolate, I will eat the strawberries, but do not let them mix. That is just hideous, sacrilege, bordering on heresy. <laughs> now nah, you can do that if you want to. I just I just never found, I try, I've tried them. I took a bite out of it. Oh, most awful experience I had with a dessert. But other people do like it. But they brought no fruit to maturity because these other things came in. So here's what we have. I had one minister who taught us this way, that, uh, there are thorn seeds in our life, but not always are they watered. And he used the example of, uh, money. He said there was a woman in the, in the church, and, uh, she was faithful, tender, faithful, front, sat in the front row, there every time the church door was open, served, did all sorts of stuff, and, uh, I mean, just such a dedicated Christian, uh, just in every every aspect of things, studying the word, ministering to people, helping people, and then all of a sudden, some either it was an inheritance or um, something happened where uh, money came into her her being, and he said as she got hold of the money, uh, she moved from the front row to the middle to the back, oh, boy. and then eventually, right on out. She went from attending every week to attending every other week to attending every third week to attending occasionally. Now he said, and I love this example, I heard it decades ago, but it still sits with me. Was money the problem? No, money was not the problem. No, the problem was there were some thorn seeds down on the inside of her, but it never got watered until that money came in. When that money came in, those thorn seeds got watered. And then they grew and they choked out the Word. Choked out the Word that was in them. You got some thorn seeds in there. Take some maintenance. We got to go out there and take care of them thorns. Take care of those things that are trying to grow up and compete with the, with the good stuff. So what he's telling you here is that there are some things in this world that will try and compete with the Word that has been sown in you. With the Word that has been sown in you you got to let that seed establish the roots and then you got to let that seed grow. But once it establishes the roots and it's grown, it's got plenty of room right now, but then all of a sudden we got the thorns going on here and now they're establishing roots and now we got a whole lot of things competing for the soil. If you get that thorn out of there, then it's not competing. The roots, you've got all the room that you want for the roots that you want to be growing. So the thorns were given room to establish some roots. The seed was given room to establish some roots. Maybe you even saw the thorns. Maybe you even saw them come up, but you didn't perceive them to be a problem until they were a problem. Once they were a problem, it was tough to deal with. You know, it's a whole lot easier to go out there and to get them weeds when they're this big. You don't need to do much. You just take a hoe and just kind of rake them right over the top. You don't have to get the roots out or nothing. Just rake them right over top, chop that thing off and it'll die. That's it. But then once they get firmly established, get those roots going down, get that stalk coming on up, now you gotta work a little harder. And sometimes they get those, uh, little thorns or thistly things and then they get into your fingers. Now, people in this category, they don't succumb to temptation right away. For a little while, we got the thorns and the seed competing. And both doing about equally well. But eventually, one's going to win. And we all know what happens in the garden. Who usually wins? The weeds do. So, if the word, i put this in your outline. So, if the word is going to grow in us, the best attack the enemy has left is to get you to divide your attention. Didn't even leave that one blank. So its production is lessened or eliminated. He's got to get you to do it. If I can't get you to not understand the word, to pay attention to it. If I can't get you to uh, keep those things in your life that will keep the word from being rooted. If I can't do those things, then my next best thing is that you're if the seed is going to take root in your life. The next best thing I can do is to put other things next to it to compete. And you try and get your attention. That is the next best thing that we can try and do. So Jesus gives three enemies to growth. First off, the cares of this world. Now I gave you a little reference there in Matthew chapter 6. If you want to go there and read that, there's some teaching he did on these things. The cares of this world. Cares are just there. Something to draw you in a different direction. Something to be distracted. Something, you know, if, you, if you're a... How many people have walked a dog? How many have ever walked a dog that likes squirrels? <laughs> yep. What happens? You're walking on down the road. Everything is going fine. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden that dog sees... A squirrel. It's a distraction. <laughs> Shoot! Right on over here. Right on... Over. Now, your dog don't have to be that way. You can work work on that dog and get it so that it. No, you don't know my dog. He just loves squirrels. Just loves squirrels. You can do it. I had a dog. I trained it. I had that dog trained so well. I could go out into the park, take it off the leash, and though my dog loved chasing squirrels, loved to chase anything that was little and ran, loved it. I absolutely loved it. We'd get down there in the park, and I'd take it off the leash, and that dog. Her name was Shasta. That dog. She, she, she was there. She knew you don't go far from me. You do not, that's not an option. It's not like I'm thinking about it. It's like that is not an option. We drilled it into our head. It is not an option. You stay close to me. And that dog did. That dog stayed within a certain, always making sure he could see me and I could just walk on. I didn't have to be mindful of the dog. The dog was mindful of me. But there was one time in particular, there was a, a rabbit that came out. And so the dog looked at me. Shasta looked at me. It said, okay, go get him. She waited for my cue. Took off after that rabbit. Took off after that rabbit. Ended up being two rabbits. Had a baby rabbit and a mama rabbit. And it took off after these rabbits. And a smart dog. And it made the beeline to get between where the rabbit was and where the rabbit was going. And so it got in between there. And the mama rabbit was faster than the baby rabbit. So the mama rabbit left the baby rabbit and went into the hiding and the baby rabbit was, was behind. So my dog got in there between the spot and ended up trapping the baby rabbit. Now I gave my dog permission. I said, go get him. And so it has the, uh, it has the baby rabbit now in its sights and it is between its hiding spot and the mama. And it's just got its nose and it's just looking at that baby rabbit. That baby rabbit is frozen in fear. We're running out of time. I should probably finish this story. (laughs) What happened to the baby rabbit? I saw my dog looking at the the baby rabbit. And so um, uh, I said, I actually didn't say anything. I went like that. I snapped my finger. My dog knew how to interpret my snaps. I snapped my finger and that dog pulled off of that rabbit and came back over to where I was and sat next to me. Because I trained the dog that there is no distraction that is more important than what I have to say to you. And that I could take that dog anywhere and trust that dog. I think I told you the stories we used to go cross down at Willow Grove, we used to cross under the turnpike. There was a bridge, had a creek running through it. And I didn't want to get my feet uh, soaked in, in all that and pants and all that sort of stuff. So what I would do is I would tell the dog, stay. And I would climb up the hill to the turnpike. I would cross over the turnpike where the cars were because I figured that was okay. Get down to the other side. Go down the hill on the other side. Get on the other side of the hill. And my dog is still sitting exactly where I told her to sit. It may take me 10 minutes to get there. She couldn't see me. She would stay exactly right there. I could trust that dog. And so as soon as I got in there, I got within shot. and said, all right, come here. Zoom. Ran right on through all the water. Came right on up to where I was at. And then we could go investigate on the other side of the turnpike. That's where nobody else went. <laughs> yeah, we did little boy stuff on the other side. Not the little girl stuff. The little girls didn't go over there and do the stuff that we did. We went over there. We did all sorts of dangerous. My buddy would go. He had a dog just like mine. And we could... We could train them both up and we would, we would go. We would do little boy things over, over there. But you see, I trained the dog. There is no distraction that is more important than my word. That's how you have to get with God. There is no distraction in life that is more important than His word, than His command. When you get that way in your life, that if He says it, if He doesn't say it, I won't do it. Those thorns... And those thistles will not stand a chance in your life. And they will not choke out the word. Don't let the enemy divide your attention. to the cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches. See, the cares are trying to draw your attention. But if you stay with what vision and purpose God gives you, you will not be drawn to those other things. The deceitfulness of riches. That's just one of the aspects, but it's one of them. And then desire for other things. There might be other things out there that... The devil's just going to try and say, hey, Steve, you want some of this? All right, we've got to wrap this up. The best thing that I've always seen in the Word of God is it's one thing to hear the teaching. It's another thing to see somebody do it. And so I was debating about going on this last section a couple of different ways. But I really wanted to find somebody who faced all these things. And so we found that over here in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 38. Not going to be teaching on the passage. I just wanted to see the things that that come out that relate to this. Verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha. How many remember Martha? (laughs) Welcome in into her house. And she had a sister called Mary. Everybody remember Mary? This is not Mary the mother of Jesus. This is Mary and Martha. Who also sat at Jesus' feet and what? What does it say? Heard. 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 The Word. They were listening. They got the Word of God in them. So what does that mean? Jesus is sowing the Word. What are they? Their soil. But Martha was distracted... With much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. She decided the words of the master are more important than the distraction. Now, Martha sat and listened to Jesus at other times. Because we have in in John's gospel that it says that Jesus loved these two. This was just a favorite uh, family. This is a family that he could relate to. If they would not listen to the words spoken, they wouldn't have had that relationship with Jesus. So Martha at some point did listen. But this is one particular point where she was distracted with bad things, sinful things, no, cleaning your house is not sinful. Cooking dinner, that's not sinful. But here, it took the place of what she should have been doing. Understand, the desire for other things is not always evil. It can be, but it's not always evil. It can just be for other things, which are good things and in the right place. It can, it can be, it can be a good thing to go out there and do. You know, we had a, I, I don't know, the way I, that I or, orchestrate the, the schedule. It's Saturday night. I pretty much don't do anything. Sometimes it's even Saturday afternoon into Saturday night. I'm just feeding on the Word, getting some things ready, letting God speak to me about the things. And I get up early again on Sunday morning, feeding on the Word, letting God speak to me about things. He may change directions. Sometimes I get my directions changed a few times. But you all know what is my one of my most fun, entertaining, non-Word-oriented activities. Not just any running. What kind of running... Running in a storm. And we had a doozy last night. I was so mad. So mad. I even said, God, I said, told him, God, you know, there is nothing I want to do right anymore than put on my running shoes and get out there. Nothing more that I want to do right now than get out. I got thunder. I have got torrential downpours. I've got lightning that is just flashing all over the place. I have not seen a storm this good in a long time. I could have been distracted. You see, it's not a bad thing, but I could have been distracted. Oh man, it's it's gonna, it's gonna live with me for a long time. I'm gonna keep telling God, God, I gave that one up. You better send me another one. And it better be more intense. I want to see twister clouds in the sky or something like that. They don't have to land and and cause any damage. I just, I just want to see them. Give me, give me, give me a storm. I, I, I got one on. So when you, when you see the storm come up in the next couple of weeks and it's vicious, you say, Pastor Steve got his harvest. You just know it. Martha was distracted. See these, these things, she had some thorn seeds inside her. And if people need to be served, if people need to be taken care of, I need to go out there and to do this. But you see, they, they heard the word. They understood the word. It wasn't snatched out of their hands. But here, a thorn and a thistle came out. And it choked the word. didn't choke it for Mary, but it did choke it for Martha. Now a certain man, John chapter 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary, who who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. They knew there was a special relationship here with this family. Jump on down to verse 17, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, "Are they under stress? Is the sun shining?" That sun came out and is burning on them little bushes that they had growing up there. Whatever little seedlings they have coming up from the word that they heard, that sun is coming down. Look at what Martha does. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Kind of doubting whether he cared enough, huh? But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection. At the last day, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. She still had that seed growing. But whether he would come in and help her in her situation, I'm not so sure about that. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary her sister saying the teacher has come and is calling for you and as soon as she heard that she rose quickly and came to him now Jesus had not come into the town but was in the place where Martha had met him and the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out followed her saying she is going to the tomb to weep there then when Mary came from where Jesus was and saw him she fell down at his feet saying to him Lord if you had been here my brother would not have died We've talked about this before. What does it mean when two people say exactly the same thing? They have probably said it to each other. They have probably had little conversations here over the four days. You know, if Jesus would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. How is it that Jesus can come and be here for all these other people and look at what, he comes into town, we feed him. He comes into town, we take care of him. We have the meeting here at the house. You even opened up all that perfume and poured it over him. But does he come on out here? Does he make the trip? No. When they both come and see Jesus, they both say the same thing. Did, that, did those words come from the word that Jesus had spoken? No, it came from what? Thorns and thistles. So what came the fruit in their life? Thorns and thistles. Not the word. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? We've talked about it before. Jesus wept. Jesus is not weeping because he's sad. Why would Jesus be sad? He knows he came here to raise lives for us from the dead. Why are you going to be sad? There is no reason for sadness there. The reason I think he wept is because these are people I really put a whole lot into. And this is the harvest? This is what we got? If this is the best I get from these, what about the others? They were scorched. The time of testing came, and what they had was scorched. Fried. Gone. Now, how many people listen to the Wednesday night, Wednesday night series we do on that? Anybody get, get in there and do that? I know most people probably don't listen on Wednesdays as much as you do on Sundays, but when we're getting here to the end of this and I want to tie in how, right, how can we put all this into a application, how can we tie this together? Because, you know, the word doesn't do any good if you don't know how to apply it. And as I was thinking about this, I said, you know, there's really no reason to come up with a different list because the list I gave you on Wednesday is exactly the list you need right here. It is exactly the same list. So, why in the world go out there and be thinking about two different lists? We got it right here. If you could take these five things, write them down, put them on your refrigerator and concentrate on these five things... We looked at it on Wednesday. You would not become cold to the things of God. And we'll also find out here. You will not let the seed that is in you die. So there are five things here. We tried to simplify it as easily as we could. The first thing is. Love trials. Love trials. Know that persecution and bad things can come to us. Because we live in an evil world. Not because we serve an out of touch God. Love trials. That means you are getting yourself ready. I'm getting the, I'm getting my roots down. I'm getting myself ready. Son, give me your best shot. Come on. Give it to me. Give me some sun. That's what you want to do. You want to, you want to antagonize that sun. Come on. I'm ready for you. I want to, you've got to get to a place where you love trials. Isn't that what James said? Count it all joy when you encounter Various trials and tribulations. Count it all joy. You'd be glad. Well, here comes the sun. (laughs) Didn't they write a song about that? Here comes the sun? Mm -hmm. Here comes the sun. It's coming up. Come on, bring give me your best stuff. Love the trial. Love it. And you will love it when you know you can get through it. Second, love the fight. Love the fight. All right we're, right, we're about ready to encounter a fight. The enemy is going to try and battle me to get me to let go of the seed, to let go of the understanding, to let go of doing what the Word of God has told me to do. He's going to try and get me to do it. He's going to try and get me to let go. And in order to, to really show you that, I believe we still have this up here, and it is it is not up there. All right, we will do it this way. And um, Max... Come on up, I'm going to have you uh, help me out with this. All right. I'm going to hold this. Now, do not run around the room. But I want you to try and keep me from getting it. Just We're just going to be standing right here. Now, if I come over here and get it, what's he What's he doing? What's he doing? He's, he's he's trying to block me from getting it and he's keeping it out of my reach, right? Thanks very much. That's I didn't tell him to do that, did I? He just did it. He just did it. Because he knows that the enemy is trying to get this. I'm not going to put this out there for him. There's a whole lot of Christians, they don't do that. They have the word of God in them and the devil comes to him and says, has God really said? Well, I don't know. Yes, he's really said it. And don't you try and tell me he said anything else. That's what you got to get to. you got to get where you protect that seed. You do what is instinct. Instead of just saying, well, I don't know, Mr. Devil, do you think he didn't mean that? Love the fight. Come on, Devil. You want to fight? Come on, I'm ready for you. Let's go. We can go around. Got to love it. Here's the third, love the truth. You got to guard against false teaching. It will compromise how you stand in the fight. Do not let false teaching in. Whatever somebody teaches you something, get it in the word. I get so tired. Rema Rema pastors that I've listened to sitting there saying, Well, I know this isn't in the word, but Oh, just everything on the inside of me gets so angry when they do it. If it's not in the word, why are you teaching it? I have my hands full getting to know what's in the Word. Why do I need to know other stuff? Get to know what's in the Word. Well, this isn't in the Word. I told you that one story. One guy, he he took something that is not listed in the armor of God and said, this is in the armor of God. No! It's not. I've got it right here. It's not there. <laughs> Don't accept it. Don't accept it. I love Brother Higgins' stories when he's uh I had a vision with Jesus and Jesus is teaching him something that's brand new to him. Well, you're going to have to give me scripture on that. <laughs> and God was never, he said, he was never offended at that. Never bothered. He said, I'll give you scriptures. He wanted three. I think the one story I just heard, he said, I'll give you four. <laughs> Make sure you, I told you my three things. I, I stand on these pillars. It's going to be in the word, clearly, It's going to clearly teach it. It's going to be in there often and somebody did it. If I'm teaching you something that I say is in the word clearly and nobody in the word did it, it might be true, but it does not mean you live your life by it. So, love the truth. Guard against false teaching. Fourth, love God. Doing what is false means we aren't keeping His commands. If I'm going to love God, i got to keep His commands. That means I want to know what He wants me to do. I want to know what is important to Him. I don't care what's important to some preacher over here. I want to know what's important to God. And God tells me what's important in His Word. So I'm going to learn His Word. I'm going to spend everything I can to get to know His Word. I do not know His Word enough yet. I need to learn it more. Every single day, every single day, I am diving into the Word. I am listening to the Word being preached. I am listening to things being taught. I am opening the Bible. I am studying to myself. I am meditating on the Scriptures. I am going over and over. and I'm letting God speak to me about it. Last thing. Love your blessings. I love this one. Love your blessings. Stay mindful of what God has done. It's one of the reasons why we do praise report time here. Stay mindful of what God has done. Look through the week. See the hand of God. Love your blessings. Love what God did for you last year. Love what God did for you 10 years ago. Don't forget the blessings that God has done. Love them. Because the devil's going to try and get you to forget them. Because if you forget that God brought you through the Red Sea, you will forget that he will deliver you at the rock when you need water. You will forget that your God brought you through the Red Sea when you're at the River Jordan and you need to get across. You will forget. But if you remember, my God brought me through here. My God wiped out an army. My God brought water to me. My 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 God brought food to me. This is what my God did. Keep learning. Keep worshiping. Keep praising. Keep praying. Keep applying what you learn. Don't ever stop. Keep going in and get more understanding of it. Get more and more and more. Dive into it. This is the most important thing that you've got. This is the first parable. This is the most important parable. He is telling us what the unprofitable soil is like so that I don't become it. Because we want the seed that is in me to become profitable, to become fruitful, to do something that is good. And that is our last soil. And we're going to save that for next week. Would you all stand up with me? Today is our communion Sunday. And we see that God sowed His Son. And when Jesus came down here on this earth, He went around, He sowed Word. He kept speaking. I love the words that Jesus taught. I am always thinking on words that Jesus taught, things that Jesus did, because these are important things for us. Our rushers are going to take the communion elements and distribute them around. And as they do, be thinking on these these things for yourself. I've got to love trials. i got to love the fight. i got to love the truth. I've got to love God. I've got to love my blessings. i got to love the blessings that God has given me. I've got to love them all the time. Oh, God, I remember what you did here. Oh, God, I remember how you helped me out here. Oh, God, I remember these things over here. Don't forget what God has done for you. These things are so important. These things are, are valuable. What is it that you can do in your life to get rid of the stones, to get rid of the thorns and increase your understanding so that the enemy can't come by and steal what God gave you? God has sown His Word into you. He has sown His Word into you through other ministers. He has sown His Word into, into you through brothers and sisters that are next to you. He has sown His Word into you in many different ways. The Spirit is going to rise up and speak to you about some of that word. And you're going to receive some things from that. Meditate on it. Ponder it. Don't let it out. Keep it around. I always keep a book. I keep something around that I can write the, these things down in. Oh, it's important for us to do. Before we uh, have a communion, we're going to have a, a special, special music here too. Marguerite.